Hey, podcast listeners, this is a special message just for you. In case you haven't heard, we'll be leaving Patreon alongside Jordan Peterson on January 15th. I've posted the text that I'm about to read to you in a few places, but I wanted to make sure that you guys got to hear it directly from me. For those of you who get the podcast ad-free on Patreon, stay tuned as we're working on building out an ad-free podcast for our supporters on DaveRubin.com. Join now and we'll roll you right into it when it's ready. You know, this podcast really blew up in 2018, and I have no doubt that 2019 will be our biggest and best year yet. All right, now on to the statement. I'm officially closing the Rubin Report Patreon account, effective January 15th. The show will continue to be powered by our viewers through monthly and one-time donations exclusively at daverubin.com slash donate. Contrary to Patreon CEO Jack Conti's promise that he would uphold freedom of speech on his platform, it has become clear that Patreon is not the home for these ideals. With the deletion of Sargon of Akkad's Patreon account, Patreon has made it clear that their line of what is politically correct will continue to move until diversity of thought is replaced with conformity of thought. This is clearly but a marker in the wider cultural war, and I refuse to do nothing with the barbarians at the gate. The time has come for someone to take a stand. I am proud to take this stand alongside Jordan Peterson, who is also deleting his account today as well. Deleting our Patreon account is not an easy decision. Since joining Patreon in 2016, Patreon has been an invaluable tool in allowing me to grow the Rubin Report to where it is today. We remain 100% independent because of our viewers and listeners, and this is something that I couldn't possibly be more proud of. Patreon has been our largest revenue source for over two years, and your support has given me the confidence that leaving now is the right decision to make. Where there is risk, there is reward. I hope that you'll join me as we continue to think and to learn, to agree and to disagree, and most importantly, to respect our differences in an increasingly ideologically driven world. You can support the Rubin Report via monthly or one-time donations using credit card or PayPal at daverubin.com slash donate. And this is just the beginning. There's something to be said for sleeping like a baby, especially when you don't. You might have trouble falling asleep or waking up sore and achy or hot and sweaty. Well, what would you do to sleep like a baby? Get the Purple Mattress. It's totally comfortable and it stays nice and cool at night. It's different than anything you've ever felt before and you'll get the best night's sleep you've ever had. If you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've gotta try a Purple Mattress. The Purple material feels unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time, so it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable, so it sleeps cool. You're going to love purple. And right now, my listeners will get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts that they're offering site-wide. Just text Ruben to 474747. The only way to get this free pillow is to text Ruben to 474747. That's R-U-B-I-N to 474747. Message and data rates may apply. And now back to the show. Hello there, Mr. Ruben. All right, JP, January 1. We got anything good for the people? Well, I don't know how good it is. Um, I guess we're going to find out how good it is. It's not something I'm thrilled about by any stretch of the imagination. So you and I have been talking for a couple of weeks now, ever since this scandal around Carl Benjamin or Sargon of Akkad broke, and we decided a while back that we were going to well, I'll do a variety of things, right? We were going to announce our departure from Patreon, which is what we're doing in this video. I'm going to leave Patreon January 15th. I also am going to leave Patreon on January 15th, which, by the way, we should just be clear, 
This is not something that we wanted to do. We were both perfectly happy on Patreon. Patreon, at least for me, it's been the, the backbone of my show. I mean, that's it's somewhere between 60 and 70% of our, our funding is through Patreon. So this is not something we wanted to do. I know we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things in this recording, yeah. uh, but that New York Times article that came out, the implication was, oh, we're doing this for money. It's like, we're taking a major hit right now and opening ourselves up to all sorts of risks. So I'm going ahead and doing that because I believe we can do something better. We've got to figure out exactly what well, that is, and that's what we're working on. But. So, so we can say two things. I mean, I, I'd also like to thank the Patreon people for what they did in the past because sure. they provided me with a tremendous amount of, or the ability, the opportunity to generate a tremendous amount of financial support at a time I really needed it. And so I'm not happy in the least with what has happened. I have thought about it a lot and believe that given Patreon's proclivity to censor and the reasons that they're doing it, especially as I've looked more and more deeply into the reasons, um, particularly with regards to my discovery of the website Change the Terms, I've become increasingly convinced that it's unethical to continue my association with the company. And I also agree, Jack Conti said in that New York Times article, trying to justify, say, Sam Harris's departure and our threatened departure, that it was motivated primarily by financial gain. And like, look, I've got nothing against financial gain. Mm -hmm. You know, I've said that from the beginning. I, and if, if things that I'm doing generate uh, an honest amount of money that I can put to reasonable use, then so much the better. But um, if this is a major financial blow. I'm using the Patreon money for a variety of reasons, most particularly to support this educational endeavor that I've talked to people about, right? Our attempt to build an online education system. And so, like, it's a major hit. Yeah. And of course, you know, just to be clear, it's like when, when we're doing my show, I mean, I don't have to tell everybody about YouTube demonetization, but for example, my show a week or two ago with Imam Tawidi was demonetized by the algorithm, then demonetized further after manual review by a human. So it's Patreon, it's the, it's the supporters, the individual people that allow us to go ahead and do more of these controversial, so to speak, episodes. So yeah, just nothing that we're doing right now is against the people that have supported us or our patrons or anything like that. This, no. is, about, this is about making a stand against this ever-moving encroachment on free speech, on free expression, and the rest of it. And it's like, this is one that we just feel is the right one to make the move on. And the reason that we jointly decided on January 15th, well, there was a couple of reasons. The first was that we thought that we might have something approximating an alternative potentially available for preliminary launch at that date, although we've decided to delay that because the user interface needs work. Because that's the other thing, right, is that there needs perhaps to be a replacement for Patreon if that's a possibility. Like, it's not obvious to me that corporations can run platforms for untrammeled communication successfully on the net in today's climate and that yeah. include anything I might design. But we're let's not let's not gloss over that. I mean it might be possible that the Patreon method is not what's needed exactly for the future of the internet. I mean this is what we're trying to figure out right yeah. now, which is why we've got every engineer, I mean people from Google and Facebook and Yahoo and everybody reaching out to us because yeah. it's like everyone's trying to solve this problem and it's still I mean one of the things we've been talking about now for the last well, it's really for the last year, but in, in, intensely in the last month, is what actually is the problem itself? Because until we really figure out what the problem is. Well, you know, I, think, I think the problem is 
how to regulate an incredibly diverse range of opinions if such regulation needs to be instantiated. We could take a limit case, for example, the desire of companies like Facebook not to have their platforms used for recruitment for ISIS. It's hard to make a case that that's not a reasonable restriction. <laughs> right. But then, but then the next issue is, I think you could make an exception there because maybe you consider that a wartime exception or something like that. But then the fundamental problem to me seems to be, and I'll return again to that, change the terms website that a whole variety of companies and organizations spearheaded in not least by the Southern Poverty Law Center, that hateful organization. Yeah, um, the worst. That has decided that they're going to uh, compel, encourage, uh, what? Defame, perhaps, companies that don't band together to regulate what they see as hate speech. Yeah, and I this is where, well, this is where the moving line is the key part of this, because you can always find the, fr the most fringe cases. You can always find ISIS on one side and, you know, the most fringe KKK, white supremacist group, or whatever you want to call it, on the other side. But let's not forget, Southern Poverty Law Center, they've written things about you, they've written things about me, Ayan Hirsi Ali and Majid Nawaz and Sam Harris and, yeah, Douglas Murray, and, a, and a litany of sued. other good... Majid sued them to, to, and actually won. So there, there is a pushback, but this is just another level of the stand. It's like they cannot be trusted to be on the boards of any of these organizations that are deciding what terms of service. Yeah, but they are. Who should have access. It's really who should have access to the internet. Yeah, I, mean, I know. That's exactly this isn't just it is. about, this well, isn't it's, just it's about worse. money. It's worse than that, Dave, because when they start to pressure the credit card companies, and I would consider this a warning to everyone who's listening, it's like, okay, th let's think this through. So the New York Times last week wrote an article about the credit card's complicity in loaning money to that terrible tiny minority of people who engaged in mass shootings, mm -hmm. right? Stating that it was the responsibility of the credit card companies to monitor and potentially prevent that activity. It's like, okay, so, so what's, this, what's the idea here? The idea is that the companies to whom we have entrusted our monetary system in large parts, that would be the credit card companies, now get to review our spending patterns to determine if what we purchase is in accordance with, that, with what they regard as morally acceptable. Okay, and, and, and we think that's a good idea. That, that's where we're headed. And, and MasterCard and Visa and PayPal are already starting to block people. Like they brought, MasterCard was instrumental in blocking Spencer. Robert Spencer, right? It's Robert Spencer, not Richard Spencer. Yes, it's its best-selling author and the guy who runs Jihad Watch. MasterCard required Patreon to deplatform him. And just to be very clear, they sent out a tweet, which everyone can find. I'm shocked that they haven't deleted it yet, where they said that they, and they use this word, which I think is the key to the whole thing. They said that they unfortunately had to delete his Patreon because of MasterCard. So what are they actually saying there? Is Patreon saying, oh, we didn't want to delete your page, but MasterCard forced our hand? I mean, that is some deeply scary stuff. Yeah, well, and, and we have to talk about hate speech because, you know, I think the whole concept of, look, obviously there is, uh, people can be very nasty when they communicate, but the idea that, that there's an identifiable category that, and you can put boundaries around it and term it hate speech, and then you can produce committees 
or deal with people on a one-to-one basis as Patreon is doing without any central policy or let's say despite their central policy or that you could turn that into an algorithm that could validly identify hate speech without producing false positives, right? Without accusing people who shouldn't be accused of violating all of that's just completely, it's just beggars the imagination as far as well, I'm concerned. Of course. And you're also just opening a Pandora's box from hell because just in the last couple of days, I don't know if you saw this, but the women's March in California canceled their rally because they felt that it was too white. Yeah. Now, imagine if they canceled their rally because it was too black or too anything else. It's like, so does that now count as, hey, are you guys now being racist against white people? Now, well, we know that that wouldn't be a problem for these one guys. The, one of the things that I can't fathom, in some sense, is the lack of imagination on the part of the people who are engaging in censorship of what they regard as hate speech. Like, there's an old military adage, which is that if you invent a weapon, it will be used by your enemy within 15 years. Okay, so what yeah. what makes the people on the on the left because they're the ones who are doing this? What, as you can clearly see, uh, in the uh, change the terms website, what makes them so sure that exactly the same tactics won't be used against them like at the drop of a hat once once the tactics have been validated and put in place? I think it's either it's either just very short-sightedness on their hand, or they think that they can actually stamp out enough hate within that very small window before it would turn on them or they just don't think these things fully through but yeah, yeah or or there's another there's another possibility too which is that they're so opposed to the fundamental structures of the west that let's say and regard them as so patriarchal and oppressive that they'd be willing to take the risk of sacrificing their own free speech just to have their what have their destructive way something like that we should also acknowledge that in the, the New York Times piece that was written, which was written by Nellie Bowles, who wrote the, the now infamous piece about you and enforced monogamy, uh, that the quote that Jacqueline Hart, who is the head of uh, Trust and Safety over at Patreon, the quote right, that- was no, was no grounding in philosophy or any of the, uh, the background training that might be necessary to even remotely begin to participate properly in such a thing. No, of course not. But so the quote that she gave Nellie in the article said that you can't say these, I'm loosely quoting this now, you can't say these words on our platform, referring to yeah. Carl, referring to him saying the N-word in that video, yeah. which, we, which we know they were using out of context and all that. But he never said it on their platform. He never said it on Patreon. He didn't even say it on his own channel that was, you, you know, using Patreon for the funding. So there was a, a it's almost the entire story was built on quicksand that, yeah. that tried to put out there on the New York Times. Now, of course, myself and many other people tweet the hell out of it and gets hundreds and, and thousands probably of retweets and comments to Nellie. And, and she doesn't respond, nor does the New York Times issue any sort of correction about the most fundamental piece of the story was a lie. And well, they, don't have, they don't have a problem doing that. So that's why this is so layered about speech and finance and journalists. Well, it's so amazing to see journalists take the... Journalists. Like one of the things that happened in Canada to me was that, you know, after I made the initial videos that caused such a political furor was that once the main journalists in Canada sort of figured out what I was doing, they all came out in my support. Like the Post Media Group, which is 200 newspapers, all came out to support what I was doing because they realized that, well, they're journalists. Apart from comedians, there isn't anybody who relies more on the principle of free speech 
to justify and allow their occupation even to exist. Mm-hmm. But for, for the New York Times not to understand that this threat is a, also a threat to everything upon which their entire organization has been predicated is also an indication of that same kind of willful blindness that we've already been discussing. But having said that, I would still like to say that I think the biggest danger here, I really, and it, it's just made my jaw drop over the last couple of weeks thinking about it, is the fact that the credit card companies are now taking it upon themselves to potentially police the activities of their users. It's like, my God, is that really, I just, I, I just can't believe that we, any sensible person would think that through and then want to live in a society where your spending habits are being monitored by the company that basically produces your money. Jesus, yeah, well, can't think of anything more totalitarian than that. To, to loosely quote our friend Eric Weinstein, should Republicans be allowed to use roads? That that's sort of where we're headed here. That every public good will be eventually decided. Can oh, you, will you have access to it? Will you have access to water? Should a should a, a, an avowed white supremacist right now that is potentially watching this or lives in America somewhere? You mean the, one of the fifty of them. Yeah, yeah. One of the forty-two of them should should they have access to water at their home? Should they allowed to be get electricity at their home or phone lines or all of these things? I mean, this is where we're headed, especially when you ever expand the definition of who that person is. Yeah, they won't in China. Right. They're, well, that's where they're going, right? So, is that the test case? Well, it. I think it's. It's an indication that the fact that the Chinese have been tempted into this is also an indication of the temptation that's intrinsic in the technological power. The credit card companies are in a weird situation as far as I'm concerned because the only reason they work at all is because people actually trust them completely. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, you're just a proxy for money. Like you're a proxy for cash. In fact, that's basically how the MasterCard advertises itself, right? So you're a proxy for cash, and the government doesn't watch what you spend your money on, except in extraordinarily, extraordinarily limited cases. I mean, there are money laundering laws and so forth, but that's in direct violation of a law, right? That's part of tracking down criminal activity. That has nothing to do so far with, with hate speech, which, by the way, is protected by the First yeah. Amendment. Yeah. So, or which means, in some sense, that it doesn't exist, you know, as as a legal as a legal. Uh, 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 concept right well, that places is like Canada which is right we shouldn't gloss over that fact too because you know Jordan we just did however many countries in in Europe and we're going to go back uh, this spring and it's like everybody that we met was jealous of the freedoms that we have in the United States relative to speech yeah. you know what I mean and everybody that would come up to us after the show holy cow I wish we could say that and I wish we didn't worry about this or that or jokes or the rest of it, and we, we did that video in Oslo where you talked about Dankula, and it's yeah. like, they, they're jealous of our freedom. So we should be very clear here, that you, though you're right, because we now have a payment processor issue, which is in, in direct connection to whatever it is that we're trying to build out here, and we're still, it's a little amorphous at the moment, yeah, well, um, right. is that it's changing, because a lot of people are saying, all right, you guys really want to solve this, then you have to go Full crypto. Yeah, and I can. The problem. The video has to be hosted crypto. Yeah, the, yep. the, the the finances have to be hosted or have to be done via crypto. Yeah, all of these things. These are these are major major things that we're trying to figure out on every front. Certain payment processors 
are a little more willing to stand up to the mob than others. So yeah. we're talking to different people. I mean, yeah, well, we're really going on every front here. That's right. Well, the tentative platform that we're trying to build and to build carefully will provide the possibility of multiple payment portals in the hope that the creators will be less susceptible to being rapidly shut down or perhaps shut down at all. But, it, you know, only a fool would say that that problem is going to be definitively solved. I have some real and increasing sympathy for the cryptocurrency types, you know, but the problem there is that, as far as I can tell, their solution is still sufficiently technically complex to keep it out of the mainstream use and also not sufficiently liquid to actually constitute a realistic current replacement, even for credit cards. Right. So, so one of the things we've been discussing is that it's almost like we have to have several markers down the road to figure out what the real solution is, because not everything can be solved in terms of terms of service tomorrow related to everyone that exists. Not everything can be solved tomorrow related to the payment processors. Maybe crypto really is the ultimate answer, but it's not the answer tomorrow for everything. Right. So we're, we're really, we're plotting out a lot here, but it seems like a, a fresh and sort of fitting way to start the year. I think so. And so for January 15th, I mean, part of the reason that we picked that date, as I said before, was because we thought we might have something to announce with regards to an alternative platform. But, you know, saner heads have prevailed in that in that <laughs> calmer heads, let's say. Yeah. 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 And also, we wanted to give people an opportunity to decide what they wanted to do without just springing it on them. I mean, I have some real admiration for Harris for acting so immediately and definitively. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, I saw some criticism. It's like, all right, well, Sam dropped immediately. And look, you and Peterson, you're still there and you're talking about this whole thing. And it's like, we all have different things to consider. We all have different family situations, different business situations, different livelihood situations, everything. So it's like, we were really trying to just plot this thing out properly. And, and to be very clear, we're still in the process of that. Yeah. So for any of, so for anyone watching this right now, if you're supporting Jordan on, on Patreon or you're supporting me on Patreon or both of us or whatever it is, it's like now we're trying to shift people because at least by getting off Patreon at the moment, we remove one of the middlemen and you can now yeah. go directly, go, go to directly to jordanbpeterson.com or, or daverubin.com and you can at least if you want to donate, you can do that for now while we figure out everything else. And that way we've removed one of the pieces here because there's just too many pieces here that that are creating this mess i think it's too much to hope for a perfect solution to a very complex problem and um, we're muddling through the best we can and hopefully people will regard our decision joint decision to leave patreon as a step in the right direction however imperfectly taken yeah well, look, I think I, I said it before, but I really think that and maybe this will be the defining uh, idea of 2019 is that I think we're basically at the point where people have to decide what sort of Internet they want. Yeah. And, and it's not only what sort of Internet, it's really what sort of freedom do you want in, in a digital world? And either or do you want any? Or do you want any? And maybe maybe you don't or you don't want to think about it and you just want to play Fortnite and watch porn and, and never think it through. But yeah, assuming want, that you'll be allowed to watch porn. <laughs> right. So now, now you really or play Or play Fortnite, or, for that matter. Right. So the... the what I, makes I really, you think that games of violence should be allowed? 
What makes you think that credit card companies should allow you to use their their funds to purchase first shoot first person shooter games, for example, or or any game where anyone is killed? No, like, you're t- you're totally right. That's I mean that sounds completely dystopian, and yet it seems like that would just be the next encroachment that we would see here. So the point at the end at the end of this is, I think everyone for for 2019 since it's the first day of the year, it's like, you have to think about what type of internet do you want? What type of ability to communicate with other people do you want? And if you want something that's a little better than what we've got right now, we better stand up quick because this window, we we know it's closing slowly, but we never know when it's going to really slap shut quick. So, so we're working on it, and, and I think people are ready to stand up with us. I really do. We might also suggest to people, and this is, of course, up to everyone who's viewing this to decide, but, you know, a couple of thousand letters to MasterCard and PayPal and Visa indicating pronounced displeasure at their plans to become uh, custodians of the monetary supply for ethical reasons might also be in order. You know, these companies are responsive to public pressure, which is perhaps partly why they're determining to play the role of censor to begin with. You know, they're, they are facing pressure from these, let's call them activist interest groups, who again are outlined on change the terms, on the website, change the terms, and they're responding to public pressure. And to that's understandable. Um, it's understandable, but but inexcusable in in certain in in a certain regard. But the right way, perhaps, to begin to push back is to let the credit card companies know that there's a constituency on the other side that I su- I suspect constitutes the vast majority of credit card users, the silent middle majority of, let's say, Western society, who are neither radically right nor radically left, who would just as soon not have their spending habits monitored by giant corporations. It's yeah, pretty well- funny, too, that the left is so opposed to corporate entities you know on principle especially the sizable ones and you know have a certain justification for being skeptical about the moral direction of very large organizations um are so eager to hand over the reins of social control to precisely the companies you'd think they would be least likely to crawl into bed with i mean really mastercard and visa it's like right or at the same time, they'll, they want to hand over more control to the government to handle these things. And, and we should be pretty clear that in the last couple of weeks that we've been discussing this, every single discussion that we've had about this, I don't think once did we entertain the idea of, oh, we've got to get the government involved to fix this thing. I mean, there, there could be, as you, as you referenced earlier, there could be specific legal uh, issues that pop up related to collusion and, and a couple other things. Cartel development. Yeah, like that sort of thing. Yeah. But, but it, the beauty of this, and again, why I'm so, ins- I'm, I'm watching my, my monthly rev of my company go down, even though we're, we're making some of it back. But as I'm watching that happen, as I said to you last time, I'm, I'm incredibly inspired right now because literally thousands of emails are pouring in from people that want to work with us, that want to help us, that want to figure out how to fund things or that want to work as engineers or the rest of it. And that tells you that, that people, are, people are afraid and they see this problem and they just want some solutions. And, and maybe there isn't an easy well, solution, as you said before. Been, I don't think there I've is. I've also been talking with you 
online with a whole bunch of the people who've been loosely aggregated under the aegis of the intellectual dark web. And, and that's probably 30 people that, that we've been communicating with, with a variety of peripheral people. And it's also useful to let people know that every one of those people is unbelievably concerned about what happened to Carl Benjamin, to Sar Sargon, and even more so dumbstruck by the collusion of the payment processing companies and, and the emergence of this activist infrastructure online that's devoted specifically to the suppression of free speech. Yeah. So, well, and also, we should also note that within that group of, say, 30 or some odd people, we all sort of, look, we agree on basic fundamental principles related to free speech and things like that, but there's a lot of disagreement on how to move forward with this. I mean, we're talking it out respectfully, as we always do, but some people are saying, stay and fight on Patreon, because this is how, you, you know, they're small enough, say, that you might get them to change. Some people are saying, you got to go. Yeah. Some people are saying some version of, you know, mixing those two. And, and nobody's clear about the proper pathway forward. Yeah, but that's, again, I mean, I think this is what the brilliance of human ingenuity is all about. It's like, would there going to be some pitfalls in front of us and staying would have its risks and leaving would have its yeah. risks. And we're all going to do what we think is well, right. We've already discussed that too, right? Is that there's, a, there's, no, there's no no risk option here. And like, and so we're taking the risk of leaving. And then we're going to make the best of it. I mean, often when you take a risk, often in life, all you have is a choice between two different risks. And sometimes mm. neither of them are risks you would like to take. But then in the aftermath of the decision, a new field of possibility opens up in front of you too. And whether or not you made the right decision is actually a consequence of how well you manage the aftermath of the decision. So yeah. we'll, we'll keep talking over the next couple of months. And on, like I've got good people working on this alternative, you know, which which was, as I mentioned, in other places, started seven months ago or so, and good people supervising it, whether it'll turn out to be a viable product and whether or not we can figure out how to implement it in a sustainable way that actually addresses these issues in a reasonable manner remains to be seen. Yeah. But, hey, on a, on a personal note, just because, uh, you know, I got to see you a couple of days before Christmas in West Palm Beach and, and we had dinner with uh, with your family and your kids and everything. Hasn't it sort of been nice? Because I, I did a week with uh, with my brother and sister and nieces and nephews over Christmas also sort of circling back to family on some of this. Uh, it, it, it's given me a lot of perspective. You know, it's mean because I'm getting I'm getting reached out by so many different people on all different fronts. But then to have sort of a close-knit group of people that really do have your interests in mind and all those things. Yeah, well, even, there's, even there's chatting unit, with your kids at dinner, it was like, oh, these are good people to... Well, there's to unanimity on the part of the people around me that the proper thing to do is, well, twofold. One is to separate myself from Patreon in accordance with our discussions. And the second is to proceed with exceeding caution and mm -hmm. not over-promise um, or try to deliver too quickly a solution, although yeah. to work on that carefully. So that's what we've decided to do. Yeah, so let's just be crystal clear on that lat latter part. We are working on this. We're, we're going to be deliberate. We're going to be cautious. We understand that it can't be solved tomorrow. We understand that there's a financial part, a free speech part, and everything else. And, and we're just going to lay these things out in front of us, and we're going to keep working through them with a lot of the people that you guys know and trust. Yeah. And, and, and 
with, with some other people and, and hearing from random people that have given us ideas. I mean, I've been forwarding you emails left and right where people are like, you know, this might be the, the, pe- the pressure point you might want to go after. So we're just going to keep going. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, I got a couple of things to end this. I guess let's summarize. And then I've got a couple of things just to let people know about. Sure. So, um, uh, the first is, so we're both leaving on January 15th. And the second is we're working on this platform. And the third is a warning to people to keep a close eye on what the credit card companies are up to, because that's a really bad thing in my estimation. I guess that's probably it on my front. I have a talk coming up in Zurich. I have a couple of talks in California in January. Yeah, I'll be with you on those. Yep. And the tickets to those are available on my website at jordanbpeterson.com. And the final thing is I also set up with my partners as a New Year's uh, token, let's say, the future authoring program from the self-authoring suite. Mm -hmm. And we put it up at 50% off with the code NY2019. And so if anybody's out there wants to make some personal, what do you call those, resolutions for the new year, then this program is an ideal way of doing that. And so that's also partly a thank you to everyone who um, has been so supportive and interested in the last year. And so I think that's basically, I think that's basically that. What do you think? All right. No, I, I think that's basically it. So I'll just quickly, uh, you know, give a shout out to DaveRubin.com slash donate. And what we're, what we're trying to do, and I know you're trying to do this as well, is that for whoever signs up now and we're, we're taking, it's one time and monthly donations that you can do. Uh, there are going to be ways that we think once we build out whatever it is we're working on, that, the, that it'll all be able to be flipped into that. So it's not like we're going to have people constantly having to start new accounts or, or, you know, sign up for new things or anything like that. We're trying to make this as easy as possible for everybody. And they'll be, look, there's going to be some bumps, but this is you it. Can, that's one thing to say about 2019. There's going to be some bumps. <laughs> there's going to be some bumps. Well, yeah. I don't know if you know this, Jordan, but we got an American election coming the year after that. So, <laughs> Okay, Mr. Rubin, happy new year. All right. Happy new year, brother. I'll see you in, uh, in Cali in a couple of weeks. Bye for now.